0: Welcome to the So You Want to Be a Data Scientist podcast. Here we interview awesome data scientists and other data professionals. This show is part of the website SoYouWannaBeADataScientist.com. After listening, take my free data science Kickstarter course to learn what it takes to become a data scientist. In the meantime, enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of So You Want to Be a Data Scientist podcast. Today, I have with me Meg Thomason. Uh, She's a senior data scientist at SPIN, and she holds a PhD in ecology. And I'm very happy to have her here. So welcome, Meg. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Great. So let's start with our questions. My first question to you is, what does your company do? What does SPIN do?
1: Yeah, um... So we are one of a handful of companies that do short-term rentals of electric scooters. Um, you may have heard them called e-scooters. They are in several cities across the globe at this point um, and there's a handful of sort of top competitors you may have heard of. Uh, bird or lime um, we are spin and our scooters <laughs> are orange um, <laughs> so we yeah so we're an e scooter sharing company um, that's really our primary focus
0: nice yeah I'm, I'm very curious to hear more about what you do there but uh, before that I want to ask about you how did you end up where you are so you're a senior data scientist and like what kind of journey have you been through so far
1: um excellent question um and i'll say i listened to similar podcasts as this when i was trying to go through my journey and i'm like really stoked to contribute um so i started out life um in education focusing on natural systems conservation um to put it more simply i think i was interested in saving the world uh that took me in the direction of ecology i was especially interested in plants Um, i still love plants Uh, so i did an undergrad degree in plant biology Um, i then followed that with a master's uh, essentially studying similar similar topics and then followed it up with a phd in ecology as you mentioned um i was really interested in climate change um, and its impacts on sort of um, other forms of what we call global change, right? So like invasive species is one example. Um, I was just fascinated by like spatial patterns and competition among different plant species. And yeah, so I spent a couple of years as a researcher um, after I finished my PhD and I kind of hit a wall. The wall looked like um, no jobs in my field, although I still really enjoyed the work that I was doing. Um, And I thought, okay, uh, what now? Um, You know, what are my marketable skills? And so I sat down in front of my computer while I was at work. Don't tell my former boss. And I was like, statistics, coding, job. (laughs) And Google told (laughs) me. (laughs) that data science was a job that you can do and it included those things and i thought okay like this is interesting so i kind of like let that mull over in my head and um spent a bit of time researching what that meant and i think the more i thought about it the more i felt like it was at least worth um learning more about Mm -hmm. uh eventually you know i left my job as a researcher decided to enroll in a bootcamp um, for data science. And that took me, I think the bootcamp I chose, it took me about eight months. It was all remote, uh, which was good for me. Uh, Cause I'll also say I am a parent of three kids. And so when I quit my job as a researcher, we could no longer afford, afford childcare. So a remote program was kind of all I could do. Um, and then uh, I think within a couple of months of finishing my bootcamp, I found my first data science job, um, and that was at a company called Denali Publishing, mm-hmm. which was um, was they actually they they uh, closed up shop recently, um, but they were a, a mobile games publishing company, so that was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I got to work with mobile games. Um, so yeah, that was like that was sort of my journey from uh my previous passions into sort of a new space and I can't say enough how glad I am that I made the jump um I feel like I like the the pace of work that I do now I like the challenges um I feel like everything is there's just so much new stuff coming at me and maybe that's partly because I work at a startup and have <laughs> since I <laughs> made this jump um but I just love that, right? And it's like to compare to my previous life in academia, it was like, uh, man, one of the last papers I published, I think the research occurred over six or seven years. So it's just a real different time span.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. But did you were you aware of the differences in work styles before you made the jump? Was that part of your
1: decision making? I was aware. I don't know if it was part of my decision-making. I think I saw it more as um, like, oh, I hope I can keep up mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've found that that's not an issue at all. I actually think it's much, for me, for my personality type, I don't know, much easier to stay excited and engaged mm-hmm. um, when there's always something new happening. Yeah. So it definitely works for me.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Nice. And so you mentioned that you did a boot camp, which was for eight months, yes. which is a good amount of time, but did you take any yes. other courses or did you like complete any other qualifications to become a data scientist or just was the main thing?
1: That was really the main thing I did. Um, it was called Springboard, should call them out. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. It was actually, um, it used a lot of open source or like, you know, otherwise available curriculum. Mm-hmm in addition to uh, a monthly, uh, sorry, a weekly check-in with um, a data scientist, like active in the field, mm-hmm. um, as well as career coaches. And I feel like those two things were excellent. Like, I just felt like they were the best part of the program because yeah. it kept me on track. Um, and they were, they were really great at offering advice. Um, but yeah, so it took me eight months. It was very part-time. Mm-hmm. They will say that. I think I probably spent five to ten hours a week on it Mm -hmm. so it definitely was not full-time
0: I see but were you still working while you were Um, on the boot camp or
1: I was working at a coffee shop as a barista
0: oh okay (laughs) uh
1: just to kind of bring in a little bit more cash for the family and um felt like I was contributing but honestly that was actually really fun too yeah I mean I can imagine (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah yeah sometimes there were times when i was unhappy with my job where i went to like coffee shops and i just like dreamed about being a barista you know and be like this looks very fun (laughs) i bet i can like really have fun being a barista
1: (laughs) i feel like a lot of people would have fun and you know what i think looking back on it it, i think it was kind of a good idea um you know being in academia like i feel like i was working in an applied um field Mm -hmm. meaning I was interacting with stakeholders, you know, uh, like ranch owners and reserve managers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But like, even then sort of pool of people that I interacted with was relatively small, whereas like spending eight months in a coffee shop, I interacted with so many people (laughs) and so many different types of people and who have different communication styles, right? Like your coworkers and all the people that are coming in. And so I feel like, uh, it was just a refresher on like, yeah, how do I interact with people, <laughs> which I think has um, paid dividends, you know, as a data scientist where I definitely think that's a, an important skill is to be able to communicate your own ideas, understand what other people are telling you. Yeah. Um
0: yeah yeah I'm also pretty sure it helped with your data science studies too because you know if you have a full time job or at least a part even a part time job then that you need to use your brain for, then you would be maybe way mm-hmm. too tired to like come back home and then start studying a whole new thing where you need to learn a lot of new concepts.
1: yes, totally true. I think that's probably um yeah. that was a that was a good call on my part without really <laughs> realizing that it was. <laughs>
0: Nice. Uh so you, yeah I mean you briefly mentioned why you chose data science but was there any other reason that kind of like so, something that motivated you to choose data science?
1: No, I think it really was a bit of uh like job market burnout. I don't think I was really burnt out on the on the work itself that I was doing. Um although I will say there's sort of like two sides of that question, right? It's like why did I leave my last field, and then why choose data science. Um, I think as far as leaving my last field, yeah, like job market burnout, and um, which is to say, like, there were maybe two or three jobs a year that made sense for me to apply to, which is just not a lot, (laughs) right at all. Um, And then the competition was fierce. Um, The other thing I think that was a bit of a challenge was that my, my, um, my work was very field based. Meaning um, like 75% of the year, I was spending three and four days out of the office um, or lab actually in the field, like in the out of uh, hiking in strenuous terrain or kayaking, which doesn't sound that bad. I totally recognize that that does not sound that bad, but kayaking for work is a little bit of a different beast. Um, I was studying rivers and wetlands at the time, um, but it was hard work. And I think it was a little bit of a uh, um, premonition I had that like, I don't really wanna do this forever. Like this is fine now <laughs> when I'm in my thirties, but like, oh, I don't know, forever is a long time. Um, but yeah, why data science? I think I the more time I spent in the, the ecology field, the more I enjoyed working with the numbers and doing statistics. And I was getting um, very involved in R, the programming language R. Um, and so at the time, those are just the two things that I was really enjoying. And I thought, okay, well, what jobs are out there? Can you do those things? Um, and I think at first I sort of considered doing analytics or st- statistics for a company that um, did something for the natural environment, um, like a, trying to think of examples of what I was looking at. There was one company that was like, the global climate company i'm probably completely misremembering the name of it but i thought like okay like this feels like a bit of a bridge right like from academia and ecology into something that was more like industry oriented but it but you know like i said my first job was at a mobile gaming company so that kind of went out the window (laughs) (laughs) and i'm totally fine with that totally fine with it
0: yeah it's fine sometimes we just you know keep looking for patterns and like things that make sense for our next journey or next adventure or next job whatever but yeah you know it there doesn't always have to be logic behind the things you know sometimes things just feel right and i think the the jump that you made is pretty big especially you know after you do a phd which is a serious investment of your time to be able to choose a <laughs> yep. whole new field i think that takes a lot of courage so that's that's awesome Thanks. Uh, yes, so uh, I also want to talk a little bit about your work right now, because you're a senior data mm-hmm. scientist. And uh, most of the time, the audience of this podcast is people who want to become data scientists and a, be- becoming a senior data scientist is kind of like, you know, the Holy Grail of uh, all <laughs> aspiring data scientists. So more of like a general question first, can you tell us what a weekday looks like for you? What kind of tasks do you work on?
1: Sure. So I'm going to take a pause and address, and I'm sure people probably do this often on your podcast, address the term data scientist. Mm-hmm. Like the longer I spend in this field and by the way, I totally associate with or, or relate, I should say, to the feeling of like, oh, wow, data science is like so exciting and sounds really interesting and everyone like loves a data scientist. Right. Uh, well, anyway, I assume people love data scientists. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um the longer I spend in this field, the less I feel like I understand that term. Like mm-hmm. I think I, I'm beginning to to feel that uh sense of like, what does that even mean? Um mm-hmm. and so what I will say is that spin, uh I started as a data analyst and just recently within the last like month, I think, um, we shifted our titles to either data scientist, uh, analytics or data scientist algorithms. Often I think that when people think of data scientists, they think of machine learning and algorithms and artificial intelligence. Um, but I think in side companies in the field of like data in general, I think there's a bit of a shift toward recognizing the work that analysts do, like traditional analysts, I guess, as another type of data science. Um, so to get more at your question, like what's my weekday look like, um, I'll start with kind of an overview of the things that I work on and then kind of go go deeper from there. So I, um, at SPIN, am working with a product team um, and I know product can be also another very vague term. Like, what in the heck does that mean? <laughs> but at Spin, that means that I help uh, product managers build features and refine features in the mobile app. So, in order to unlock a Spin scooter, you open the Spin app on your phone and you say, you know, look at the map and you look for where your scooter is and you can scan the QR code on the scooter, pay via the app. Um, tell us how your ride was all those sorts of things are all in the app. Right. So there's this whole kind of like sub product, um, at spin, which is the mobile app. So I work on that. Um, I am very interested in how users interact with our features, um, sort of using their activities to get a little bit of a deeper understanding into like, uh, whether they're getting what they need out of the app, whether they are, finding friction. Um, I think we all probably can think of an example in an app where it was like, why does it work this way? Like, this is terrible. <laughs> so we try to avoid <laughs> that um, and use data mm-hmm. to find those those instances. Um, I also am working a lot with AB testing, which is um, you haven't heard of that? It's it's basically like designing experiments inside your mobile app. Um, or you can also do them on the websites. But in our case, it's on our mobile app. Uh, on you know, a classic example would be like, what happens if we change the color of a button? Do users interact with that differently? Um, Mm -hmm. So I do a bit of that at Spin as well. Um, And then sort of on a more like normal weekday cadence, I work on describing, um, or I should say I, I write data requirements for features that are going to be released for the app meaning a a product manager says i want to release this feature um the button is going to be blue or something and then i come in and say okay great if you want to be able to track that you're going to need to track this action this action and this action and then you can calculate your metrics in this way so that's what i mean when i just uh write a data requirements document um i actually kind of love that work (laughs) i feel like when i describe it it sounds a little dry but um and actually feels very familiar to what i used to do as a research scientist it's like a lot of um brainstorming and um experimental design and then sort of thinking about your statistics mes- that methods that will make sense in the context uh so there's a lot of overlap there for me and then um i've also been working really hard at trying to clean up our sort of overall data structure. So the basic parts of a mobile app are the app itself. And then there are um, production tables that the app sort of quote unquote talks to, right? In order to like present you with things. So like the app will be like, hey, server, I need to display this scooter to the user. And so it'll like talk to the server and get information back, right? But then your, all of your actions in the app are also being tracked and logged and sent back to another separate um, database. So refining that, that architecture, I think, is something I really love to do, like that bigger picture architecture um, to make it easier for the company to understand where the data is going, where it's coming from, whether we can trust it, uh and it's hard like it's actually really hard i think um because most companies have a pretty complex architecture and in our case it's actually not just the app talking to the server the server then talks to a different server which then talks to the scooters (laughs) and then comes back so it turns into this like game of telephone um and there's definitely a lot of of opportunities for things to fall apart or get misinterpreted by the code or something. So, um, I just find that whole ecosystem fascinating. Um, and it's something that I've been trying to work on. That's been funny. Um, we're making progress I think we're making progress, the ultimate goal there being just a uh, better, easier to access data that is easier to understand and is trusted.
0: Yeah, that's definitely very important. I also feel like the i don't know maybe the last 10 years data has been very important a lot of companies have been trying to kind of jump on the bandwagon but maybe some of them have been a little bit too fast that they didn't really think about their data Mm -hmm. structures and uh, have the whole architecture work so now you get uh, this mess and a lot of data scientists trying to fix this
1: yes (laughs) it is fun i mean i think that's what how i try to see it it's like oh cool look at this challenge that we can (laughs) try to address Um, yeah
0: it's always yeah, it's always nice to fix problems. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I, I, I like to say at my company that uh, we have a lot of, we may have a handful of problems, um, but they are all fixable. We understand them and they are fixable. That is much preferable to having problems that you don't understand or can't fix. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <that> sounds perfect. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, the, the fun part is just trying to come up with creative solutions to fix that problem, right? I feel like that's the whole point of data science job anyways, kind of keep, finding projects and then keep solving them. And also the the first yeah. thing that you mentioned about creating the metrics or like when they're creating a new feature, telling them where to look at it, I think that's also sounds really fun to me too. I mean, yeah, I, I can see mm-hmm. how that might sound a little bit mundane to some people, but you know, like trying to think of the corner cases or trying to think of how people might be using the app and everything, I just think that's very awesome work. Thank you. Uh, I like it too. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so uh, a little bit about the, the way of working at Spin, because, you know, every company has their own way of working, their own team structure. So I'm kind of trying to inform mm-hmm. people about uh, how things work in industry, because some people have never worked in a tech team, for example. So are you part mm-hmm. of a bigger team or do you have people that you constantly work together or do you have people working for you? What, what, what kind of structure do you have at
1: Spin? yeah great question um and this has actually changed that's been over time uh mm-hmm. just based on how many folks we've had available to do the work that uh data team is doing so we have a data team um we have a director of data um right now we have seven analysts or of course sorry now we're called data scientists analytics. <laughs> um So we have seven of those, and then we have one data scientist on the algorithm Mm -hmm. side, uh, and we also have two data engineers. We, this is a like relatively small team to serve. Um, I would say probably another two to 300, um, folks across the business that are in other verticals. Mm -hmm. So by that, I mean like the product team or engineers or business team or finance, um, marketing. Uh, that's another big one. And then we also have a huge vertical um, under operations. That's that's the folks that are deciding where the scooters are going, repairing scooters. Um, we have a whole hardware team that are working to refine the scooters that we have on the streets uh, to make sure they last longer, work better, are safer. Um, so like I said, we have seven analysts. Um, As we operate now we each have sort of a dedicated business vertical, which is to say that we operate in sort of an embedded structure. It's not 100% embedded. Um, We still each of the analysts often will do work that sort of data team has defined on their own, meaning maybe nobody's asking us to define user retention, for example, but We feel like that's an important thing to define. So we're going to spend time working on it and calculating it. Um, We, and so, like I was saying earlier, I work primarily with the product side of the organization. Um, I have one other person or like one and a half, if you will, (laughs) one person who's also dedicated to product, another person who's dedicated both to product and finance, Mm -hmm. um, sort of, sort of, uh, along those lines. So it's, I think it's, um, it's one way to do it. Another way to do it is to be completely embedded and really like maybe rarely talk to your data uh, compatriots. Another way to do it is to be completely centralized and um, which I suppose you could argue is a bit more on the agile side mm-hmm. of things where anybody can do any piece of work coming into the team um, and you sort of work as, as one mm-hmm. unit. So the way we work is, is more towards the embedded side.
0: Okay, sounds good. And uh, so you are seven analysts, one da- wait, sorry. Seven data analyst data scientists, yeah. one algorithm data scientist right. <laughs> or the other way around.
1: <laughs> no, you have okay. it right. You have it right. <laughs> and
0: you have two data engineers. And I'm sure yes. everyone is working in different parts of the company or the, for different the different um departments in the company and i'm also curious about the type of projects that this team is producing can you give us a couple of examples if they're not mm-hmm. confidential about what kind of data science things are being done at spin
1: good question um so a lot of what we're doing like i've already kind of described the product side i think um mm-hmm. some of what the folks are doing for I'm trying to think uh for a business would be sort of assessing opportunities in new cities. Um, And that could either be something that's more like a descriptive statistics type of model or something more predictive. Um, Same thing for scooter deployment. So it's a pretty big deal. At spin, just deciding where to put our scooters every day, mm-hmm. um, where to even and then even where to move them around during the day. So, um, as with I think probably any other micro mobility company, um, there's a lot of effort put towards optimizing that decision making process again, using sort of past data and describing what worked in the past, as well as predicting what might work well in the future um, using metrics like scooter usage or um revenue revenue per scooter that kind of thing
0: yeah yeah i mean i'm sure you're collecting a ton of data so there must be a crazy amount of things to do with that data (laughs) let
1: me tell you that's one of the reasons I, i was really excited to join spin was just the complexity of it is like if there's no shortage of things that you can look at here right like not only is there sort of time-oriented data there's also spatial data there's also all the user data that i work with it's pretty cool
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i can imagine nice and um so this is different for every company so that's why i keep asking this question to all my guests what do you typically deliver it could be you specifically or it could be you know your data science team what is what is the the typical deliverable for you
1: yeah, that is a good question. Okay, so I would say that most often I am delivering either the um, data requirements that I described earlier, um, sort of like data requirements or and or like an experimental design or experiment plan. I also deliver dashboards, um, which sometimes I feel like dashboards don't maybe get enough credit for what they are, because often <laughs> there's a lot of like work and thought that goes into what ends up on a dashboard, right? So it's like, what are the questions I need to be answering for this analysis? What's the actual analysis I'm doing? Am I using statistics? Um, are there any data issues, data cleaning? Um, how can I best present this? What's the insight that I'm trying to convey? Uh, and then like what sort of what charts best convey that. (laughs) Like there's Mm -hmm, so many mm -hmm. things I think that go into it Um, that yes. So I would say experimental design and data requirements work as well as dashboards are probably my bread and butter. That's been.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially if you want to do a very good job at dashboards, then yeah, that's a lot of work. You cannot just put some charts together and say
1: like you have a dashboard. Yeah, <laughs> especially. I mean, I think one of the things we struggle with is um, making sure we do spend that time to make sure it's well thought out, so that it's not just a one-off delivery, so that it can be continued to use, be used to answer either the question at hand or other questions that might come up that are related. Right. So it's like more delivering a a, a product that will be maintained and have a life of its own as opposed to a, you know, here's a one-time thing. <laughs> and then it everybody forgets about it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh so what are the tools or frameworks that you use often to do this work? Uh
1: yeah, so we um on the data team, we operate inside of a BigQuery uh data warehouse. Um we are actually working on transitioning our bi visualization tool uh, to looker uh, which is owned by google and trying to think of other tools that we use we have an automation um so we kind of follow the elt data pipelining process meaning like extract load and then transform once you have it in your warehouse essentially as opposed to the old style etl um so we have data coming into spin in our warehouse and then we use so we at spin use a tool called dbt uh which is created by fishtown analytics which is like a automation transformation tool um what's cool about it is so it's it's like a a a batch batch coding tool um but you can use sql to define your transformations, which I think the theory being that analysts or data scientists who do analytics um, are most comfortable with SQL, which is a which is a point that you could argue. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I agree with that, but it's what we use, and I think it's actually been overall very successful um, in helping us develop a more um, mature data warehouse that then supports Looker uh, better as opposed to just kind of like trying to do raw transformations in Looker.
0: Okay. Nice. nice. A good list of uh, different tools that many of them I've never heard, (laughs) but that's the beauty of it, right? Every company uses a different set of tools.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So true. So true. Um, I will say I do really enjoy working with Looker. But as with every tool, there are pluses and minuses. Um, we were working in mode before. Again, um, some pros and cons. It's very SQL friendly, which is great if your user base you know, internally um, is very comfortable with SQL. But of course, it's terrible if your internal users are not comfortable with SQL. Um, so we're trying to kind of come up with a compromise uh, between us we, we essentially have both users at Spin, mm-hmm. folks that are very comfortable with SQL and folks that are just, you know, would rather, please just show me the chart. <laughs> <laughs> they really don't want to write the SQL. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay. So you mentioned that you work with product owners, if I got that right. And uh, so you're helping them with their features and the new features that they're mm-hmm. creating. Yeah but I'm also wondering how much of the work that you're doing is people
1: facing? A lot. (laughs) Um, Lately, as I get more involved in writing uh, these product data requirements, helping with the data architecture, um, I'd say most recently, I've been spending 80% of my time or more in meetings. And i actually really enjoy that side of the work i enjoy trying to kind of get the right people in the room to make the best decision um which i think a person on the data team is often uniquely positioned to do um you know often on the data team especially for like a company on the smaller side or a startup like you really have to understand all the different components of how the company is working in order to best advise or consult like i often feel like on the data team we're like consultants (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and so yeah i i feel like we can get more things done and get them done the right way uh if i'm able to get like i said the right people in the room of course now it's zoom rooms but you know (laughs) what i mean
0: (laughs) would you say that your job became a little bit more people facing the more senior you got Has that been a pattern that you recognize?
1: Yes, I think that's true. Um, I think for me personally, I would like to move in that direction. Um, I know that's not the case for everyone. And even at spin, there's an option kind of to, to, um, choose a path, right? Like, do you want to go in the people management direction or do you want to go in the more advanced individual contributor direction? Um, for me. I think i'm more interested in the the first you know kind of working on the people people management people people wrangling <laughs> hurting all the cats, get, getting things done i i like that work
0: yeah it's great that they have the option
1: yes I, I appreciate it and then i think there's definitely a lot of space for more technically advanced individual contributors you know kind of get into the like architecture level from a different side and sort of the architectural level from Helping teams build great products, and then architecture level from how do we design the systems to support mm-hmm. that. And I think it's pretty cool.
0: Nice. Okay, now we came to the my favorite questions of the whole interview. <laughs> First one being, <laughs> what is the most exciting thing about your job, or the thing that you like the most about it?
1: That's a hard one. Um, the most exciting thing. You know what's been really exciting lately? We've had a couple of really great A/B tests results <laughs> come out, and it's so cool to be able to share across the company. Um, I work with a product manager who is a really great data storyteller, um, way better than me. I'll I'll say that. Uh, he so not only did we have this like really um, compelling Outcome from like, hey, what if we do the feature this way? Wow, like we have a much better conversion rate for our onboarding, which is excellent, right? Like the more people in the app, the better. Um, and he was able to tell that story across the company in a way that got people really excited, and it, that was that was great. I think that um, maybe taking a step back from that, the things that really excite me about my job are being able to make an impact, um, which is one of the reasons I like working at a smaller company or a startup is that there's just plenty of space to to really do something that feels um, important
0: it's also really awesome to just see results in real time right you do something and then you see the results and then you can
1: immediately be
0: happy about it
1: yes that in fact is quite different from academia where you're like I feel like my experience was, you know, okay, it's been like six years. Here's the results. Like now it's going to take a year to publish my paper. Okay, there's the results of my paper. And even now, like, I don't know, 10 people have written like read my paper. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> it's not as impactful. <laughs> yeah, definitely. At least not in
0: the short term. You know. No, yeah. Okay, so what about the, the most boring part of your job or the thing that you like the least, let's say?
1: Sprint planning meetings. Um I love Sprints, I love tickets, I love Jira, um, I think it's it plays really well with my personality, but (laughs) I hate the planning meetings. (laughs) Um and in fact I started volunteering to lead them because then I stay engaged and you know, awake. (laughs) Because they can go on for a while. We when you have like 10 people on a team, um They last like an hour and a half, so it can get a little dry, but, uh, yeah. So you're doing like
0: exposure therapy for yourself.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I will say I've been able to make them, um, shorter. I usually, when I lead the sprint planning meetings, they're a little shorter, probably because I'm like, oh Mm. my God, let's just take this over (laughs) with.
0: (laughs) That's good for everyone though. You know, saves time. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, nice. So I also want to ask you about how you um, how you experienced the whole field, because you were in ecology, I don't know how the um, uh, female to male ratio is like there. But maybe you've seen probably experienced that in the tech world, we definitely have an unbalanced workforce. So I wanted to ask you if you have encountered any bias or any negative uh, experiences so far that you had?
1: Um short answer is no. I don't think I have experienced any bias or negative experiences for the most part. um i I agree <laughs> my my observations um support what you're saying um in ecology, I think it was it really depended on like this the sort of subfield of ecology that you were in um the more statistical modeling heavy side of ecology was definitely more male heavy. Um, I will say that my experience when I interviewed at SPIN, um, I had a five person panel. Panel is not the right word. I I had five interviews in a row, each of which were led by a a man at SPIN. Um, And that definitely set up a red flag for me. I still accepted the offer because uh, I was excited about the work. And since I've been at SPIN, um, I've actually been involved in the diversity and inclusivity committee and working with recruiting to try to improve our recruiting pipeline um, to bring in more women and minorities. Uh, and we're doing pretty well. I mean, when I started, I was one of two women in a 60-person engineering organization, which was a little bit <laughs> gave me a little bit of whiplash. I was just like, "Oh, really, guys? Wow!" Um, and now we have like, I don't know, 11 or 12. Like, and it's only been like six or seven months, so I think we're actually making great progress. Um, and I don't see any reason for us that that, that will stop. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty stoked about that.
0: Nice. Yeah, I love it when I hear companies, you know, changing their culture to be more inclusive and also a little bit more, uh, have a variety of people because I think it can only help companies too, you know, yes. when you bring in people from different backgrounds, people with different worldviews, and you just bring them in and everyone brings whatever they have to the table. It just creates more energy and a better brainstorming environment, in my opinion. <laughs>
1: I totally agree. And then let's, I mean, and then on top of which, of course, we're now seeing everyone in their homes (laughs) on all of our web (laughs) calls. And I think, and especially for families with kids or pets or or other family members, like everyone has a different living situation. And I think Mm -hmm. it's been a little bit, um, it's pushed us more, I think, towards that sense of inclusivity and and appreciating everyone's differences.
0: Yeah. Yeah, maybe this whole situation will make everyone a little bit more uh, tolerant of other people's lives, you know, that would would be be a positive outcome. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So do you have any advice for an aspiring data scientist or for anyone who wants to get into a data career?
1: I think probably two things. One, learn SQL. I know it's boring. Well, I thought it was boring. Uh, but I think it's such an important skill to have because you just don't once you know it, then you don't have to worry about it, right? Um, if you also know other coding languages, great, Python R, you know whatever. But I feel like SQL is just a, a pretty basic one that um, it's very transferable. The other thing I would say that I feel like I wish I could go back and tell myself is to not stress about the job title. Um, try to find the thing that you feel like you'll be excited about and successful in. Um, one of the things I started doing even more so in my second um, job search was to type in my skills into the job search bar, right on LinkedIn or, or indeed, or whatever, you know, whatever jobs website you're using instead of the title, like, so instead of data science, I would type Python SQL statistics or something. Um, and I feel like the matches I was getting were much closer and I had a better better um, rate of success, kind of like getting through the steps in an interview for a given mm-hmm. uh, company.
0: That's a very great tip. And I think that's also a very good approach to looking for a job because at the end of the day, I feel like, you know, before you become, whatever the title is data scientist data analyst whatever you you really have very little information of what your responsibilities are going to be so you don't really know what you'll be doing so instead looking for the skills that you already have or the skills that you want to improve on that's i think that's a great strategy i never really thought about that before i'm really impressed
1: <laughs> thanks for sharing that with everyone i didn't make it up that was from a springboarded uh career coach. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no one else needs to know this (laughs) (laughs) nice So this is this is very awesome so um thanks a lot uh that was the last of my questions actually it was very nice having you on the show i i felt really awesome chatting with you it was really fun so thanks for coming on the show
1: thank you so much it was really a pleasure i agree this was a lot of fun
0: (laughs) nice i'm very glad to hear that Hey! Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode Don't forget to take my free Data Science Kickstarter course To learn what it takes to become a data scientist See you next time